All right, good morning. Anybody feel like that you've got something that's becoming quite a family project? Anybody? I love that line. I love that line. Well, we're glad you're here uh, with us this morning. My name is Nathan Hinkle. I'm the campus pastor here at White Oaks Ross Township Campus. Uh, the first Sunday of every month, we do have something that we call middle school madness. So um, if you are in middle school or if mentally you still feel like you are um, and you want to exit out the doors and head your way and make your way into the cafeteria, um, we've got something that's uh, specially planned for uh, middle school students here this morning. Uh, for the rest of us, we are going to continue into our series that we're calling Home Improvements. All right? We're talking about getting real about the health of our homes. And so I feel like that I need to restate something that I said last week. When we talk through this series, um, I'm going to use the word home and family interchangeably, okay? Because we know, and we know that, uh, families look very different. There's lots of different relationships that make up families. And all of us are part of a family. All of us are part of a home, right, of some sort. And so when you hear me use those words, we're talking about every relationship, you know, marriage, parenting, uh, um, family relations, relationship with friends, all right, it, the things that take place in your home and outside your home, all right? So these are the things that we're talking about this week or, or this month, I should say. So last week we said that our families are under attack, okay? Made the claim that our families are under attack. Now it's kind of a, um, kind of an audacious statement, but you could call it culture. You could call it technology. You could call it, um, you know, pressure or influence. You could call it busyness, but, but you could call it whatever you want. It comes with different names, but all of us feel the pressure of our families and our homes being under attack. Now that might be a strong word, but listen, those of us who are followers of Jesus, and I know perhaps not everybody in this room claims to be a Jesus follower, and that's okay. But those of us who do, we believe that we have an enemy, all right? We believe we have an enemy that wants for nothing more than to steal and kill and destroy our homes, that he wants to win out over your kids. He wants to win out over your marriage. He wants to win out over the future values that you, as a young person or as a person, wherever you are right now, that you want to build into your home. All right. And he wants to see your faith fail. Now, that's what we believe. So in order to experience what God says is best and true for our families, we're going to have to fight for it. If we're under attack, that's going to require you and I to fight to see what God says is best and true to happen in your home and in our relationships. And when we do that, we're going to feel a tension, and it's not going to go away. There's this tension between what is ideal and what is real, okay? What is between what, I, what is ideal and what is real. You see, everybody has this list, sometimes spoken, sometimes not, uh, uh, of what, is, what must happen, what must be true about our home, right? And that's the ideal, we all have them. We say, we must have the marriage that everybody envies, right? I'm, I wanna, I'm, when we get married, I want to have the marriage relationship that everybody else envies. Now, what's really important to us when we say that is honestly that it just like appears to be one that people would want to have, right? Whatever happens behind closed doors, right? But we want to put on a good front, all right? I was talking with somebody out in the hall in between services, and she said, you know, that's such a great point you made about all of us just kind of like posing. And she said, but I'm not even good at posing. And I'm like, no, you know, a lot of us aren't. All right? We're just very transparent. All right? 
But that's what we say. We must have the marriage everybody envies. We say we must have the type of kids, right? When we have children or we have kids and we want to have, we must have the type of kids that everybody else says, wow, you guys should write a book. Anybody ever told you that? Yeah, no, no one's ever told me that, but um, I will not be writing that book. You wouldn't buy it if I did, all right? So, so you know, we, we must have these kids that everybody says, wow, you should write a book. How are you doing that? Like, we want our kids to behave or act like yours. We say, we must portray a home like everybody else wishes they had, right? And we have this list of musts, this list of ideal, but the truth is we don't live, none of us live in that ideal, okay? All of us, live in more of what's real. And what's real is some of your marriages are in trouble. Some of our marriages are really hurting. Most of us live in what's real in that our kids are struggling, right? They're overextended. Their behavior's whack, right? And a lot of us feel that tension there, Right? Uh, we, we know that our homes and the relationships in our families, it's messed up. And that is the reality that all of us live in. There's, we live in this tension between what we say must be true to be ideal and what is, and what is reality that all of the rest of us live in. Right? And our culture says, don't fight it. Release the tension. Our culture says relieve the tension whenever is possible. So they say, well, let's not punish your kids, right? Just reward good behavior. Keep the tension released, right? And maybe, maybe someone's given you this, the relationship or marriage advice at some point. If they really loved you, they wouldn't ask you to change, right? Or, you know what, you've got some stuff going on in your home and your kids are driving you crazy. Just set them in front of a screen, right? Give them unlimited data, give them full internet access, and they'll leave you alone. Relieve the tension at all costs. Maybe you've heard this, maybe you've said this. You deserve to be with someone who's going to make you happy. You deserve with someone who's, to be with somebody who's going to make you happy. See, we don't want to be uncomfortable we don't want anybody to feel bad. We want to give anybody and everybody the out. And so our culture says, let's relieve the tension by normalizing everything and anything. And then you'll feel that tension released. But the truth is you don't. I don't. The tension's still there. It's in your homes. It's in our families, right? And we want something I think we want something that's better than what we experience and better than what we're told is normal. So when Jesus comes on the scene and he's teaching, he actually, he actually makes the tension more intense. Because he comes on the scene and in Matthew chapter 5, he stands on a hillside and he's teaching a crowd of people who have gathered around. And Jesus says, you've heard that it's against God's law to murder? But I tell you, if you've even hated somebody in your heart, you've already murdered them. You've heard it said that it's illegal, it's against God's law to commit adultery. But Jesus says, but I tell you, if you've even lusted after another person, you've already committed adultery. See, what Jesus did is he raised, he sets the ideal so high, so unattainable, and so unreal that nobody could possibly reach it. 
And so what does that mean for our homes and for our families? Does that mean that we just throw in the towel and say, well, what's the point in fighting if we're never going to attain it? No. See, what Jesus' point was this. His whole point in Matthew chapter 5 was this. God can forgive and walk with you through the real. God can forgive you and walk with you through the real circumstances of our relationships, of our families. But don't let go of the ideal that he has set for us. Don't let go of the ideal that he has for you. So here's our big idea for today, all right? We're talking about this. You're going to love this, okay? It's submit to one another. Submit to one another. We're talking about marriage today, all right? We're talking about marriage. Now, listen, as we talk about marriage and every time we talk about something very specific like this relationship that's very specific, please don't tune out if you're not married. That was the worst thing you could do, all right? If you are married and you think we're doing pretty good, don't tune out. Listen, if you're a teenager, single, divorced, hope to be married one day, hope to be married again someday, if you're, if your grandparents, you know, your, your kids are empty nesters, you're empty nesters, sorry, and your kids are married, listen, listen, take, take copious notes here, okay? Because I think we're going to have some valuable things to share. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5. All right, verse 22, Paul writes this to the Christians who are living in the city of Ephesus, and he's giving them some relationship advice about what happens in their home. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, if you need one, we have free Bibles at the hub in the blue curtained area on your right-hand side as you're walking out today. Grab a Bible. We want you to have it. But we're going to be in chapter 5, verse 22. It says this, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, we read that verse and everybody just starts squirming a little bit, right? Did you feel it? Everybody's like, men love that verse, usually. All right? Generally, men can kind of wrap their minds around that verse and say, okay, okay, Um Women usually get a little skeptical, okay? Wives usually get a little skeptical. I remember one time, uh, I was not, not too long ago, I was doing, I, I was doing a wedding, um, and the bride-to-be had looked at me, and she, because I was asking the question, you know, are there particular things, like passages you want me to read, something that's special to you? And, and they're like, no, not really. And then the bride-to-be was like, but I don't want you reading that one verse. And, and, and she couldn't quite quote it, but I mean, I immediately knew. She's like, something about like submitting. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. You know, we talked around a lot about it a little bit, and I said, okay, I won't base it off of that. So what did I ended up doing, and this is kind of fun, is in the moment that I'm up there, and she's in her dress, he's in his tux, and we're out there, I can say anything I want, <laughs> and it's too late. I mean, she, you can't change it, right? So I actually ended up talking about it anyway, just in a roundabout way. I didn't use that word, but I used um, something else. So, um, But we get uncomfortable because we fail to recognize the context in which Paul says that. So let's back it up just a minute. Look at this. Look at this. You'll, you'll appreciate this. The verse just before it, Ephesians 5.21, Paul actually says this. Submit to, and what's he say after that? One another out of reverence for Christ. So he's talking to husbands and wives, both of us submit to each other. We're talking about mutual submission. Everyone 
submits to one another. This is, this is going to change your marriage, all right? Husbands, it means that you submit to your wives not because your wife is worthy of submission. And wives, you submit to your husbands not because he's worth submitting to, but what did it say? That we submit to one another out of what? Reverence for Christ. Out of our reverence and trust in Jesus, that drives how we submit to one another. See, this is the message of mutual submission. It's I leverage me for us. I leverage all that I am, all of my strength, my time, my energy, my person. I leverage everything I am for us, for our relationship, for our marriage. And it asks the question, how can I help you? How can I help you? I'm aware of the burdens that you carry. I'm aware of the stress. That's, I, I'm aware of what's on your plate. How can I help you? How can I help you be the man or the woman, the wife or, or, or the husband, the mom or the dad that God has created you to be? How can I help you? If you went home today, guys, husbands, and you said to your wife, hey, how can I help you today? What do you think her response would be? I mean, after she comes to again and picks herself off the floor, what would her response be? I mean, ladies, if you, you went to your husband today and said, how can I help you today? What would his response be? I've asked uh, Will and Beth Mueller to um, come on out, and, and they're going to share with us for a little bit. So let's have them come on out. What I wanted them to do is just share a little bit about their journey um, being married and, and hopefully um, share with a, a little bit with us so that we can pick up on some things that they have learned that's going to help all of us. So thank you guys for um, putting yourself out there and, and being here all morning um, in order to do this. And I appreciate that. We do. We're going to learn a lot. Um, so this is, like I've already said, this is Will and Beth Mueller. And I'm just going to ask you guys to go ahead and I mean, introduce yourselves, uh, tell us a little bit about your family, um, you know, what you do for a living. So maybe just start there. So we have been married for almost 21 years. We have actually an anniversary next week. So yeah. happy anniversary. Let's, uh, yeah, I learned that. That's awesome. 21. 21 years used to seem like a really long time away. And now it's like upon us. It's here. Yeah. Um, we have three kids. Nicholas is 11, Olivia is 14, and Savannah is 15. Um, we started out our marriage living in Coleraine, and then about 12 years ago moved into the Ross community. Yeah, from a vocation standpoint, um, I've been with the Coleraine Township Fire Department for about 25 years, and I'm currently the Assistant Fire Chief. And I'm a nurse at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Been there for about 21 years. Um, I do some. I'm a clinical instructor, so I get to teach pediatric, or I get to teach nursing students how to be pediatric nurses. Awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's good. I learned that about Beth. Of course, she's like I probably told you that five times in the last few years, but I had forgotten that. So that's very good. Very good. Well. Um, but the first thing that I wanted to ask you guys is, I know that um, Family Life is a ministry organization that um, tools families in several ways, but one of the things that they do is put on a marriage conference called Weekend to Remember, um, but that was here in Cincinnati back in February. Yeah, so, um, so I thought maybe you could tell us um, how you kind of got involved in, in working with Family Life and what your role is with that conference. Sure. So my wife and I, Beth, who you met, 
We serve as the uh, Family Life Weekend to Remember Directors for Cincinnati. And essentially what that means is we coordinate all the volunteerism that surrounds the event, promoting the event, uh, but more importantly, um, we hold strategic meetings once a month um, with a team of very dedicated people who are passionate uh, about walking alongside of others in marriages. And uh, we provide um, a local resources for those churches here in our area. Uh, how we got involved, about 10 years ago, we were uh, in the process of starting up a marriage ministry in our previous church. And we were trying to gather up necessary resources to do this, and we were kind of very thirsty uh, for a lot of knowledge. Um, we wanted to continue to build into our marriage because we were in a good place. Um, so we found this weekend to remember um, through a mutual friend, and we attended, and after we attended that first event, um, we began volunteering, and, and here we are 10 years later as the uh, directors. Awesome. I don't know how that happened. That just... <laughs> <laughs> um, when you went to the conference, as we were talking earlier this week, um, you had commented that, um, I, you know, I said, well, w you know, what did you learn? And you said, well, um, you know, there was something that you didn't know you were going to learn, right? Um, but, you, but you ended up learning it. So you tell us, tell us kind of what came out of that conference for you, that one of those first times. Sure. In a word, uh, what we learned, um, purpose. Um, again, we were in a good place. We didn't know what we didn't know when we attended our first event. Um, and going through that process, going through um, the weekend, we learned language and we learned disciplines um, that we could put into practice um, every day um, that helped us determine that our marriage is designed for more than just being Mr. and Mrs. Mueller or um, husband and, or, and wife and father and mother. Um, God designed us for um, specific purposes and designed our marriage to be better and more than what we had even thought of. Awesome. So even though we were in a really good place at that point, I think that the conference kind of helped illuminate the, the, um, the fact that we needed to build a stronger foundation for our marriage. So we were kind of sitting in this really good place, but how can we thicken that foundation? How can we make that um, stronger? Um, and so that conference gave us some communication tools, and then it really showed us what God's design is for marriage, and that helped build that stronger foundation. Little did we know that God was kind of preparing us, um, because years later, you know, on down the road, we encountered some pretty significant marital struggles, and I think had we not had that foundation, that really strong foundation, um, it would have made that journey through that time very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool to be able to see God working like that, kind of in hindsight. That's always a blessing. So, so speaking of some of those struggles, um, maybe I thought you could share with us a little bit about where you guys have struggled, especially as we're talking today in this area of mutual submission, right? Where have you guys kind of seen some, some roadblocks in, in, your, in your marriage? In 21 years, I feel like you've got, there's at least one example. So tell us about that. So I think for me, the biggest thing has just been understanding what mutual submission is. I mean, I didn't you know, coming into our marriage, I didn't have any idea really what that was. We were very me-focused, very self-focused when, um, when we first got married. And it wasn't intentional. I wasn't intentionally trying to be me-focused. That's just kind of what I knew. And I didn't understand what the whole concept of marital submission was. So um, that was something that we really had to, um, or that I really struggled with. And then um, I also kind of struggled with just making a conscious effort to submit to Will. So, I wanted to do things my way, and I didn't understand what his needs were, and I didn't, um, didn't kind of have that concept. And so for me, 
making it a daily decision to look to what his needs were um, has been a little bit of a struggle. Hmm. Yeah, I think if I think about what the term submission really meant um, at the time, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. What I can tell you it definitely means today is um, being able to put Beth's needs in front of mine. Um, that remains a struggle today. Um, in, in order to understand um, what her needs are, um, I have to be in tune to what they are. We have to communicate what they are, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but things really kind of came to uh, a, a crash um, when I was promoted. And so what happened was I was a typical firefighter schedule working 24 hours a day, and then I was off for 48 hours. Um, that schedule worked really well for us for over 20 years, and um, even while we were dating. And we got into a groove. We got into a groove from the parenting perspective, um, as far as responsibilities in and around the house. I was cooking, I was cleaning, um, doing laundry, I was dusting, vacuuming, I was domesticated. Um, and I actually, <laughs> I actually enjoyed those activities. However, uh, when the promotion came about, my schedule changed, and I started working Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, uh, which really rocked our world, because all those responsibilities that I just shared with you um, all came crashing down on the shoulders of Beth. And um, while part of me was okay with that because I was busy working every day, Monday through Friday, um, I was pretty oblivious to what was really occurring at home uh, in terms of Beth's needs. So with Beth having to absorb the bulk of these responsibilities now, uh, our whole our our whole submissional mojo was out of whack, <laughs> and um, she wasn't able to do the things that she needed to do to be. Her. Um, so that was that became a real problem. It snowballed because it wasn't addressed. We just tried to trudge through it as this is just the way life's going to be. And I was very self-absorbed um, and distracted with work, working late at night, working overnight, working early mornings, whatever that would be. Um, and I didn't have the emotional capacity or the reserve left to um, to to invest in intently into um, what Beth needed at the time. So we worked through that and we developed a lot of tools and now I'm, we're back into a new groove um, uh, several years later um, and so I'm domesticated again. Um, <laughs> but but the, 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 real, the real thing about all that is that it's still a struggle today. It's not that the struggle went away. Um, I come home and, and regardless of the day, we all come home from work and we're all exhausted. Um, but the struggle is maintaining enough emotional capacity and reserve so that when I walk home and I walk in the doors, um, I can be uh, at attentive to, to what Beth needs and make that purposeful engagement to meet her where she is. Mm. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, I, I appreciate you guys sharing that struggle. I think, I think uh, to struggle with mutual submission in the marriage relationship, I mean, we all... We, we all, those of us who have ever been married or are married understand that. Um, so, so maybe on the other side of the coin, maybe you could tell us how you guys feel like uh, you're winning, all right? Again, with, you know, two decades under your belt. Um, that really, when you say it like that, that sounds like really long, doesn't it? So we'll just say 21 <laughs> years. Um, you know, where, where do you feel like you're winning in that area? Where do you see God, where, where you say, hey, you know, we're, we're accomplishing something here? Well, I mentioned before that... Um, in order to understand what needs are, um, they have to be communicated effectively. Again, because submission really means 
putting others' needs before yours. So we have to know what those really are. And the only way we really know how they are is to communicate those needs effectively. Um, so we have, over time, developed some communication tools on when to communicate, how to communicate, and most importantly, understand what level of communication we exist on at any given moment so that we can engage at the proper level. Um, I'll talk about that here in a minute, but a lot of those tools have prevented us from taking conversations in our house to the level of DEFCON 4. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we no longer rely on each other as being mind readers, um, although we used to. Yeah, but if you loved me, you would know what I need. <laughs> If you respected me, then you'd know what I need. <laughs> Can I? Okay. That's actually how things used to be. We, we actually resorted to mind reading. Um, you should know. We've been together long enough. Um, that's not a realistic expectation. So, um, so that, was, that, that, was, that was really huge. So in, in terms of these levels of communication, um, there's several communication models out there. The one we really like is the one that displays five levels of communication. And the first one's cliche, um, which is the surface elevator talk, weather, stuff like that. The second level um, is fact. The third level is opinion. The fourth level is emotion. The fifth level is transparency. And each one of those levels, one through five, increase in intimacy and relationship as you go. And so, as one of, if your spouse or significant other or something just said something completely out of the blue that caught you off guard, you, you raise your hand, or not if you're afraid. <laughs> um, yes, it has happened to us. Um, one particular night, we were on a date night. We were driving to dinner, and we were going to a nice place, and this nice place serves steak. And they also had good seafood, but we were driving, and I'm like, on my mind, I'm thinking, dinner, gosh, what are we going to have? I'm thinking, what am I going to have? Steak? Steak sounds really good. So I asked Beth, I said, what should I, what should I have? Steak? Salmon sounds really good. I really should stay away from steak. Salmon sounds really good. I'm driving, and I'm waiting for a response, and there's no response. I'm like, wow, she's really putting some effort into this um, <laughs> for my well-being. And she says nothing. And the next thing she says, right out of the blue, she says, you know, it's been a while since we texted each other that we love you. <laughs> I looked and I'm like, dinner, steak, texting. <laughs> I almost had to pull the car over because I had no idea where to go with the conversation. Um, what I'd realized there in the moment was this was an opportunity that I had um, to meet a need that Beth had at the particular time. But where were we on these levels of communication? I was way at the top, cliche, fact, right? And I was on a much different plane. Beth had jumped immediately to transparency. And that you can't communicate across the different planes. So it was an opportunity for me to make a, 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 pers a, a purposeful engagement into that deep level and understand where she was coming from. Instead of being kind of thrown off, not knowing how to respond, was able to dig down and say, okay, I know where she is, so I had to move my mind down that path. That's been really helpful, hmm. actually, for us as we move forward. Very good. Thank you. So in addition to kind of understanding and communicating, you know, how we need to do that, then I've also learned like when we need to communicate. So I've got um, two different examples of how I have really done this very well. Um, so very early on in our marriage, we would have conversations or disagreements and um, we might table that discussion until later. Well, I decided the best time to reinstitute that conversation was when Will was walking out the door to work, <laughs> 
to, to, to wherever. So, you know, as he's opening up his car door, I'm kind of yelling out from the door, you know, from the front door, like, hey, do you want to finish that discussion we were starting to have about, you know, X, Y, and Z? So clearly that wasn't the most effective use of our um, communication tools there. Um, but then fast forward a few years, so I kind of moved through that a little bit, realized that wasn't going to work very well. But, um, you know, now we've got a couple kids and communication's a little bit harder. We, we don't have a lot of opportunity to sit and finish conversations, um, to even finish sentences, quite honestly, because um, <laughs> our children were <laughs> constantly interrupting us. But, you, you know, you don't have that time to be able to get to maybe some of those deeper levels of conversation that Will was just talking about. So I decided that I was going to find the perfect time when it was nice and quiet that we could have these conversations. And so that ended up being what I thought was you know around 11 o'clock at night when we're getting ready to go to bed when we're very very sleepy we're already just kind of tipped over because the day was long and so we would get ready for bed we turn the lights off we'd get into bed we'd snuggle get into our positions and I would just start on it <laughs> not like that but I would start a conversation with him you know hey I, I there's something on my mind I really wanted to talk talk to you about and there would be silence, and then I would hear <laughs> And I'm thinking in my head, that's rude. So I would wake up the next morning and I was mad. And so we would greet each other in the morning and I'm just already fired up and he's like, what happened overnight that you are so mad at me about? And I'm like, well, I was trying to have a conversation with you at 11.30 at night in the dark in bed and I don't understand why you didn't, you know. So. <laughs> We've moved past that as well because we realized that that wasn't effective for us by any means. So I had to, I had to learn to not do that. Um, so you know, the learning the how with communication and learning where um, with communication has helped us realize um, kind of what we need to do to be able to determine our needs or to be able to share our needs. So if I know the appropriate time and I know the appropriate method to be able to communicate my needs with him and he with me, then that mutual submission piece is going to come to fruition because we're going to understand each other and we're going to have um, an idea of what, what each of us needs. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate it. That's very valuable. Uh, and I appreciate that tool that was up on the screen that you guys mentioned. So um, before, you, before you guys um, head out here, I thought maybe you guys could give us, you know, what advice, I ask you, what advice would you give to um, those of us who are married um, or hope to be married someday? Um, you know, what, what advice would you give us, especially in this area of mutual submission, kind of a closing kind of do this and, and you'll, you'll be heading down the right journey or the right path? So I think understanding what mutual submission is, is one of the biggest key factors. I mean, if you don't know what it is, then how can you do it? And I think, you know, talking about it right now kind of scratches the surface of it. Um, but I think that there needs to be a deeper dive into it. So this can't be the end of the conversation. I, as a, as a wife and as a woman, I need to look into more about what that means for me. He is a husband and a, and a father and a man needs to look at it. And then as a couple, we need to look at it together. And then in addition, um, you really need to rely on God. Like, I, I don't always wake up in the morning and say, well, I am going to submit to you today. You know, sometimes I don't feel it. Sometimes we're in a bad place and sometimes we're just not connected and I just don't feel it, but I know that I need to do it. God tells me that's, this is what I need to do. So I need to lean into God and I say, hey, you know what, on these days when I'm struggling a little bit, God, I need you to help me. I need you to to open up my eyes, I need you to give me that strength to be able to know what his desires are so that I can help him be the man that God designed him to be. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, to piggyback on that, I think it's the investigation of what submission means to everybody. Um, I think 
one thing to be cautious about here is that the, the biblical pathway to this is very narrow, um, and it's very easy to jump to things that are out of context within this topic. And I think one of those is the male headship. I think we fall into that trap. Um, uh, it, it becomes a superior versus uh, inferior topic, and that's not how it's designed to be. Um, so I would advise those couples, you, to um, avoid that path and more think about submissions surrounded and embedded in interdependence. Um, and that's not codependence, not dependence, but interdependence. Um, mutual submission breeds itself interdependence, which is a relationship that exists to uh, lift the other up. Um, and when you think about interdependence, you think about your roles and responsibilities that are yours, biblically speaking, but also you understand that you're not designed to do those things alone. Um, regardless of what those roles are. And I think our culture breeds dependency, um, and so I would caution everybody to stay away from that. Um, what we see in this male headship model of submission is we see women who say, I'm gonna step back and I'm gonna let you do this because you're supposed to be the man of the household. And we see women start to withdraw from important decisions, finances, church, family. Um, that's clearly not how it's supposed to go because what happens is then the man is bearing a uh, significant responsibility that no one can really bear on them, themselves or not designed to. And that sets that individual up for failure. That failure breeds contentment or uh, resentment, and it breeds contempt uh, and distrust and anger and frustration. And those emotions begin to snowball into, you know, you know where. Um, so um, to avoid that, again, we frame our relationship around interdependence. Um, we then defer what we feel is a weakness to the other who maybe have a strength in that area, and then we take our strengths and we exercise those for the betterment of the relationship, for the betterment of his kingdom. And then that, what that does is it frees us up as individuals in our relationship to be and use our skills uh, that God gave us to be the individual that he created us to be in the first place. Guys, I really appreciate you guys sharing that with us. So, yeah, let's thank Will and Beth. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for being uh, transparent with us and, and real. You know, the question um, of mutual submission is, how can I help you? That's the question. How can I help you? And there's a lot of fear with that question, right? I mean, I think you feel that. There's fear in that question because, because when we ask the question, how can I help you? right? How can I lift you up, right? There's fear because we don't know what they're going to say. We don't know how he's going to respond. We don't know if things will get better. What if they don't? Or we don't know, like, it, what, what, what if I say that, maybe my needs will go unmet, and then what do I do? See, this idea of mutual submission and how can I help you is truly risky, Am I willing to leverage me for us? See, Jesus followed this model. He did this when he submitted himself to God's will. So I want to look at this um, before we close here today. Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 6. Listen to this, okay? It says that, This is what Paul says. He says, 
When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So while we were utterly helpless, listen, listen, while we sinners were still living in the realness of our circumstances and the realness of our marriage and the realness of our homes and the realness of parenting and the realness of, of, of these relationships that make up family, while we sinners were still living in the realness of that place, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us. That means he died for selfish, lazy husbands. He died for bitter and resentful wives. He died for those who instead ask the question, how can you make me happy? He died for those who are divorced or who are on the edge of divorce, those who are newly married or those who hope to be married someday. Jesus helped us. He helped us when we needed it most, which by the way, wherever you are right now, that's where you need it most. And he made it possible for you and I to have hope and friendship with God. In fact, that's what verse 11 says. He says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. That's where our rejoicing comes from. So listen, we're going to have an opportunity here. We're going to go into a time of reflection. I want to just challenge you. The band will come out and we'll start, and they'll start playing. But I want to challenge you in this moment to just take that moment to reflect and ask yourself the question that mutual submission begs you to ask. Listen, so we think sometimes like if I could just get my husband, if I could just get my wife to do this, if I could just get them, then I would be happy. Then we would be happy. But that's wrong. You don't get to the ideal by controlling the people around you. Mutual submission will lead you to what God says is best and true. It is your best path to what God says is best and true for your marriage. And you can't get there if you don't fight for your marriage. You can't get there by controlling and manipulating your wife or your husband with that question. The trick is, here's the risk, is you ask the question, how can I help you even if you don't get the question asked back? God does not want our musts to keep us and lead us into miserable marriages. This is the question I beg us to ask. How can I leverage me for us? How can I leverage all of my power, all of my talent, all of my emotional capacity, right? all of my energy? How can I leverage all that I am for in us? And in the midst of our very real circumstances, Jesus invites us to submit to each other and to submit to him so that we are set up on the path towards the ideal. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you give us this image, this action of Jesus on the cross. Father, I thank you that he was willing to die while we are helpless. He comes and meets our need of forgiveness, of grace, of power. 
God, often we don't know what it looks like as a husband or wife, father, to submit to one another. But I'm so thankful that you give us this example. I'm so thankful that you give us Jesus. So in the midst of our messed up marriages or our messed up ideas about marriages or our failures and our wins, Father, in the midst of the realness that is marriage, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and strength and the power from your Holy Spirit to submit to one another, to be on the path towards which you say in your word is best and true for us. Holy God, we thank you for Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.